سيدنا ونبينا ومولانا محمد وبارك وسلم We are in Surah Al-Qasas, the story, Surah number 28 and Ayah number 86. A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitanir Rajeem, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. وَمَا كُنْتَ تَرْجُوا أَنْ يُلْقَى إِلَيْكَ الْكِتَابُ إِلَّا رَحْمَةً مِنْ رَبِّكَ فلا تكونن ظهيرا للكافرين. Yes, we are at the end of Surah Al-Qasas, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is uh, summarizing the surah, which is the story of Musa alayhi salam and Fir'aun. that you were not hoping that the revelation will be inspired into you or literally thrown towards you, except that the revelation came to you as a mercy, a rahmah from your Lord, meaning that the Prophet ﷺ did not have any vision or any fantasy, or any desire to be a Nabi. He was not waiting for wahi. He was in search of a means by which he would worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He knew who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was even before he went to the, the cave of Hira. But he did not know the specifics of worship and ibadah. So from that point of view, he was hoping for hidayah, guidance, but he was not hoping for revelation. Revelation he did not know about, and the revelation that did come, came through the mercy, the rahmah, the grace, and the fadl of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And uh, this is also a story. Okay. Yeah. So just as Musa salam was not expecting anything when he was grazing goats and sheep in the desert for eight years or ten years, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just brought him towards him and gave him a message and gave him and delivered him wahi and revelation. Likewise, you, O Muhammad you were not raised in such a way that you were aspiring to be a Nabi or Rasul. So here Allah is now saying that Allah's Rahmah comes to whom he wishes to send the Rahmah, not to anyone who claims or feels that he deserves it. This is a principle in understanding wahi and revelation that it is all Allah's fadl and Allah's rahmah. It has nothing to do with social standing, with financial standing, with intellectual standing, even with ethical or moral standing, which we must uh, appreciate. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives knowledge and hikmah to whomever He wishes and they may aspire to acquire knowledge and wisdom. As in the case of Luqman, وَلَقَدْ عَطِيْنَا لُقْمَانَ الْحِكْمَةِ That we gave Luqman hikmah. But just because Luqman was uh, highly intelligent, supremely sophisticated in his thinking, organized in his world view, uh, does not mean to say that Luqman was supposed to be have given wahi and nabuwa. So not everybody who's intelligent and smart and sophisticated is going to want nabuwa, nor should they aspire to have nabuwa. Nabuwa is absolutely and totally the prerogative of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he sends that down through the system known as his fadl and his supreme rahmah and the measure from his, his grace and his predestination. So why is this important? This is important because Fir'aun made the claim he is the supreme lord of the Banu Israel and the Egyptian civilization in his time. Allah is now saying that he may have been able to feed and clothe and entertain people, but he was not able to give them inspiration and wahi because he didn't own it. Likewise, no other human being owns wahi or revelation. So when you don't own something, then you're not the lord of it. You're not his master. Who owns revelation? Allah. So Allah is the master of revelation. So there is no greater property to own than Allah's kalam, Allah's speech, Allah's knowledge. And who controls that? Allah Himself. So you hear now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, So we advise you that you must certainly never become a helper, an assistant, and a defender of those who disbelieve. Those who disbelieve may gain political authority on land and they may control human beings and they may kill human beings and they may spare human beings and they may give food and clothing and shelter to human beings and they may employ human beings etc. What they cannot do is they cannot guide human beings. They cannot guide human beings nor can they inspire human beings nor can they give them wahi and revelation and say this is divine. So those who do not believe in the divine and the divine authority, you should not assist them. Okay? Nor should you make them part of your worldview. Their worldview is severely restricted and limited to this world, whereas the worldview that is coined and forged by wahi is so universal and so visionary and futuristic that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you the ability to plan not just for this world but for your grave and for the day of judgment and for Jannah which is eternal. If you plan for five years you're a very good home manager. 
If you plan for 50 years, you're a great tactician and a strategist. If you plan for eternity, you're a prophet. Only a prophet can plan for eternity. No other human being can. Why? Because a prophet receives wahi from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is now sent down onto his heart. It is thrown to him. Yulqa. It is literally thrown upon the Nabi. So the ability, the intellectual ability of a Nabi is what gives the Nabi supremacy over all human beings. Okay, so Fir'aun had physical supremacy over all human beings and Musa salam was given absolute and spiritual supremacy over human beings. So you must not become such that you help those who seek supremacy, zahir, like a dominant and controlling. You must not give those people who disbelieve in wahi any kind of authority or supremacy so that you understand uh, this is only from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's fadl, not from anyone else. So this is uh, an ayah which has many intriguing discussions. We'll leave it here for the moment. This is on the back of the previous ayah 85 where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, the one who has ordained and imposed the Qur'an on you in the nadi faradah Farada means to ordain and to impose, as salat is a fard. It is ordained and imposed on believers to offer salat five times a day. Likewise, the one who has imposed the Qur'an on you is the one who's going to bring you back to your place of origin, the ma'ad. Likewise, in this ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that the Qur'an is a fadl of Allah and it is not to be used to promote uh, authority uh, in areas and places where authority does not reside. So now the Muslims don't have authority, they don't believe in divine authority, and so on. So this whole surah is about the human being's quest to uh, control and dominate other human beings, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's uh, supreme eternal plan to make sure that only those who believe in Allah's authority will gain his trust and gain his fadl. وَلَا يَصُدُّ دُنَّكَ عَنْ آيَاتِ اللَّهِ بَعَدَ إِذْ أُنزِلَتْ إِلَيْكَ وَدُعِ إِلَىٰ رَبِّكَ وَلَا تَكُونَنَّ مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ So they should not at all divert you from Allah's ayat and signs and evidences and proofs and also the Qur'an meaning the verses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala especially after they have been revealed to you. So there are signs of Allah that are apparent to all human beings in the form of his creation. That in everything, as the Arab poet said, there is a sign that he is one. If you roam around the earth, you will find evidences and traces and proofs. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the designer and the creator of this universe. Uh, It is for a reason, for a purpose, and it is not for game and sport and so on. This is a universal sign. A universal ayah. 
And then there are those ayat that are specifically given and shown to a Nabi and a Prophet. لِنُرِيَكَ مِنْ آيَاتِنَا kubra, As Allah says to Musa, so that we may show you our greatest signs. لَقَدْ رَعَى مِنْ آيَاتِهِ الْكُبْرَى As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala showed the Prophet on the night of Mi'raj, his uh, huge signs. Okay? So they are minor signs that all human beings have access to. They just have to open their minds and their ears and their eyes so that they see and observe the signs as a sign of Allah's creativity, Allah's rahmah, Allah's compassion. And that is at the primary level. And all human beings should do this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that once you were not existing and then you existed in your mother's womb and then after your mother's womb you came into this world and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala raised you and developed you although you were totally incapable and absolutely dependent upon your parents, upon your family members, upon the environment and the country in which you lived. And then you became 40 years old and you assumed that you were now God's greatest gift to human beings. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now will take you to your old age where you become independent again on everybody else, meaning your own children. So as a child, you were dependent on your parents. And as a parent, a grandparent, you are dependent on your children and your grandchildren. The evident signs of who's in control of you and your life and the whole process of life. This is what the Qur'an says. I read the Qur'an, it's very simple. It's not too difficult to understand that man is very frail and fragile. He has but 25, 30 years in which he can be productive and say, now I can do something. After that, man is totally dependent on others to exist and to coexist and so on. So these are some of the universal signs that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is asking all human beings to uh, observe and to internalize and say, He is one, and He must be one. There is nothing there that tells us otherwise. And there are some other signs that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave human beings through the institution of prophethood, through Nabuwa and through Wahi. So those are signs that the Nabi is true, right? So there are universal signs that tell us Allah is one, and there are other signs through wahi that tell us the Nabi is true. And that is for Muslims to appreciate and approve and with confidence, promote and propagate that this type of knowledge and intelligence cannot be gained or acquired by human beings human means. Musa salam, had a tremendous exposure to knowledge in the palace of Fir'aun, but he did not know that Allah would give him much more knowledge in the desert. The Prophet وسلم, was not schooled at all. He never read, he never wrote, and then Allah gave him knowledge that no other human being has been given, will be given. So that is a special favor and a special sign through wahi that Allah delivers to human beings to show human beings that the Nabi is true and you have outside of Nabuwa signs that tell us that Allah is true. This is the truth. 
So Allah exists and the Nabi exists. And these are the greatest signs of Nabuwa that Musa alayhi salam saw and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala showed Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi on the night of Isra and then in Mi'raj and then later on in this world where his ability to procure and acquire knowledge was so exceptional uh, that no other human being will ever come close to that ability to observe and to recognize and then to deliver the message. So Allah says that after the signs have been revealed, then call and invite people towards your Lord, the one who has raised you in Makkah, and the one who gave you knowledge from the cave, and the one who's going to take you away from Makkah, and then the one who's going to bring you back to Makkah. He is your Lord. So now, you have two Nabi, one is Musa salam, and the other is Rasulullah They both have a story which is fascinatingly, fascinatingly very similar. One was raised there in the palace and then made to leave, meaning make hijrah. And then he was returned to the place he was raised. Right? And he made hijrah because of, you know, to protect his life. He escaped. The other was raised and born in the haram of Mecca. Then he was forced to leave and make hijrah again to save his own life and the lives of the believers. And then he was brought back to the place he was raised. La uqsimu bihadal balad wa anta hillum bihadal balad. So now this is a story which is very similar. So these are the ayat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this surah, the story where Allah shows human beings that we can elaborate in one surah about one Nabi's story and at the end of the same story we can summarize another Nabi's story in a few ayat. This is the beauty of Allah's now eternal kalam and his speech, his word, which is the Qur'an that you may now draw a bridge from the elaborate story, which is Musa's, to the very concise story, which is Muhammad wasallam's story. So one is there in uh, terms of the revelation of the Torah, and the other is there in terms of the revelation of the Qur'an. Now call people towards your Lord, and that the purpose of me receiving wahi is first and foremost primarily for me to procure knowledge from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's my Lord. So Allah is the Lord of everyone and the Lord of all the worlds. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying to Muhammad call people not just towards the worldly benefits and the na'mat and blessings, but call them towards the intellectual blessings and call them towards the spiritual blessings and call them towards your Lord, who is the owner of all these blessings. Who is the munim, the one who gives these in Ahmad, and so on. And most certainly, you must never become amongst those who associate partners with Allah. Those are mushrikun, and they commit shirk. Why? Because this is against the universal code of Tawheed. 
in the universal code of Tawheed, no one, no human being should make this assumption or deduction or conclusion that there is more than one God, one creator. You must never go that way. You must always leave uh, behind you a tradition and a legacy of Ad-Din al-Hanif, Al-Millat al-Hanafiyya of Ibrahim which is to recognize the universality of Tawheed. Every human being must open their eyes and their ears and lead themselves towards Tawheed because uh, this is what Allah wants from all human beings. At the same time, through the Qur'an, you must now deliver the message which, is, which came to you through Wahi and uh, then shirk or associated partners with Allah at the universal level and also at the high level of ibadah okay, and how to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is something that is for your Lord and you call people to your, the path wa'adhu'ila sabili rabbik and wa'adhu'ila sabili rabbik and here it is wa'adhu'ila rabbik terms and terminology in the Qur'an. In one ayah Allah says, call towards the path of your Lord, and in this ayah Allah says, call towards your Lord. Two very different now purposes and revelations. Where it says, sabil, where it is calling towards the path, that means follow the path, that is the deen, Islam, the sunnah, and the sharia, that is the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the other is that you call towards Allah himself, because when you're following this path, your goal and destination is Allah, not the path itself. When you have a path, you have to walk on it. And when you walk, you're going somewhere, I hope. Where where are you going? What's your destination? The one whom you're worshipping. That is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So now the path is important, and the destination on the path is more important. So Islam is important. What's more important than Islam for Muslims? The ability to travel and walk on the path to get from A to B, B being Jannah. And then from B to C, C being Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You will not meet Allah unless you go to Jannah. That is evident from the Qur'an. Well, God meets everybody. No, He doesn't. He will meet you, but you don't want to meet Him when He's angry at you. You want to meet him when you're in Jannah, no other place but Jannah. Okay, so there's this idea that there's this universal religion and God loves everybody. There's a path. What is the path? This path. Otherwise, in your political science construct that is now that has plagued the world, the world of freedom and democracy, you will say, well, uh, democracy has many paths. Say, no, only the American democracy. Right. Isn't that your pitch? There's only one path of democracy, the way America wants it. Right. No other far form of democracy is good enough. Why? It doesn't work. It doesn't lead you to the White House. <laughs> right. yeah. Likewise, if there are many paths to Allah, then you say, yes, there may be many paths, but there's only one path that leads to the Jannah. That is Islam. Why? Because it is in Jannah that Allah will speak to everybody with compassion and with fadl and favor. In other places where Allah might speak to people, it won't be out of favor, it will be out of anger. And you don't want to be privy to that anger. So here we see that the shirk now is to be removed. At every level, the shirk, which is universal, 
the shirk that is in understanding which religion is correct and not correct, and the shirk in the destination, that doesn't matter where you end up, God will speak to you. No. This is all tawheed. So the tawheed that comes through wahi is the refined tawheed, and the tawheed that is universal may be enough, inshallah, for salvation. Will it be enough for entering Jannah? That is debated amongst the Muslim theologians. وَلَا تَدْعُ مَعَ اللَّهِ إِلَهًا آخَرٌ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا هُوَ كُلُّ شَيْنْ هَالِكٌ إِلَّا وَجْهَهُ لَهُ الْحُكْمُ وَإِلَيْهِ تُرْعُونَ And do not call with Allah besides Allah any other God. That do not assume any other being has divinity and divine authority and divine prerogatives instead of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or in spite of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, all of those. Okay. So Allah, He remains alone, and He has always been, will always be, because He is. And that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everything else is subject to change, and everything else is subject to destruction. La ilaha illahu, there is no ilah, divine authority, or no one worthy of divine worship, except He, meaning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? Everything is about to perish. Kullu shayin harikun. Everything besides Allah is about to perish. Illa wajhahu, except His countenance. Except literally His face. And that is how we see in the world and the universe in front of us that nothing is permanent. Nothing is go. It is eternal. <laughs> Only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-baqi, the permanent, and only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is uh, eternal in the form of al-hayy, al-qayyum, and so on. So this uh, uh, lesson in this surah, through the story of Fir'aun and Musa, is simply to inform Muslims that uh, we know of a person and you also know of that person who is the Fir'aun of Musa, and that he ruled a good portion of the world with great uh, dexterity, although he was ruthless, but he had the means by which he could rule and govern and create and develop a civilization which was at his heights during the time of Musa, but he also perished. <coughs> he died. He is no longer except in the form of a mummy that people now can say he exists but he's over there wrapped somewhere and hidden somewhere in a museum you can see him but you can't see him you have access to him but he's dead right so now a dead ruler is nothing except a dead man basically civilizations come and go authorities of others besides Allah that comes and goes but the authority of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala stays because He stays. It remains because He is permanent, He is al-baqi, He is not halik, He is not going to perish. Everything and, and anything that does not conform with the divine authority of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will perish. And anyone and anything that conforms to the authority of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, although may uh, taste temporary death, will remain eternal in Jannah. وَالْبَاقِيَاتُ الصَّالِحَاتُ خَيْرٌ عِنْدَ رَبِّكَ ثَوَابٌ وَخَيْرٌ أَمَلًا As we recite in Surah Al-Kahf, that the everlasting good deeds, 
So when man, who is not eternal, okay, performs good deeds for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah preserves man and his deeds in Jannah. Even the deeds are preserved. That's why you eat from the good deeds eternally. Okay? So when you say, one subhanallah, Allah causes a tree to grow in Jannah, and that tree in Jannah will stay forever as long as you're in Jannah. And you will be eating from that fruit as long as you're in Jannah. So not only does the human being who conforms with and to the divine authority remain permanent after resurrection, his deeds also come with him. Right? His deeds also come with him. Yeah. And that is the beauty of good deeds. In the Ladina Amanu those who believe and do good deeds for them there is the Jannah of Firdaus the paradise of the greatest rank that is Firdaus this is how Allah subhanahu wa advising human beings that we meaning Allah says that we can narrate a story to you as is the first mentioned the first three ayahs of the surah نَطْلُ عَلَيْكَ مِنْ that we are reciting and narrating and accounting and uh, the story telling this story. So if you want, O oh, people of Makkah and O oh, Quraysh and O oh, the, the Arabs who claim that they know how to express themselves, we can express ourselves also. Not only that, we can express ourselves with the truth which is the true story of Musa and Fir'aun. And within that story, we will give you parables and similes and metaphors and concrete evidence, historical evidence, and also morals in that story, which you can't do in your poetry. You may coin a phrase or a couplet or a poem, but that poem will be lacking sometimes in uh, arrangement and sometimes in metaphors and sometimes in similes and sometimes in the mood and mode of expression. But when we speak, we speak with the clarity of one who is in total command and authority because Allah is the one who created languages. So now his language and his, uh, his word is eternal. It will remain with Muslims and those who believe in Allah in Jannah. It will not disappear. Everything is perishing except his countenance, his face, because it is through the face, the eyes and the ears and the, the tongue that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will now address human beings in Jannah. Also, we'll be looking towards his countenance and we'll be listening to his kalam, his speech, meaning the recitation of the Qur'an, and so on. So we see here that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is now speaking the way he spoke to Musa, who is known as Kalimullah, the one with whom Allah spoke. Musa salam's title is Kalimullah, the one to whom Allah spoke on a very frequent basis and regular intervals. And not only through wahi, but through other modes of divine speech. Here, the Qur'an is the eternal speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is universal, and it is through the Prophet Muhammad wasallam that when someone in authority speaks, you must listen. 
otherwise uh, you might perish, which is what happens to people who don't believe in the authority of Allah and the authority of the Rasul who transmits Allah's authority. Yeah, so this is now the whole idea of not calling anyone with Allah. If you need help, you seek help from Allah directly. This is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants the Prophet not only to behave himself but also to instruct others how to behave. This is the final point in the surah, Lahul Hukmu. To him alone belongs authority. Command. Hukum means uh, command and authority. That if you want to know how to govern, then appreciates Allah's governance over you. If you, know, if you need to know how to rule, then appreciates Allah's ruling you. If you, know, if you want to know about authority, then appreciate Allah's authority within you, in you, and above you. Lahul hukm. To him alone belongs total, absolute, eternal command. Once you understand that hukm, and that command, and that order, then you will appreciate that he will keep you and preserve you. Even though you're about to leave Makkah, he will take care of your affairs. The way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took care of the affairs of Musa after he left the civilization that was the civilization of uh, Fir'aun. وَإِلَيْهِ تُرْجَعُونَ It is to him alone that you return. As I had expressed last week, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not instruct Musa to go back into Egypt and take control and use his power and authority to rule Egypt once again. That was a done deal. Right? It's finished. The purpose of Nabuwa is not to establish this principle of having control over land. Land belongs to Allah. In the Urdi, my land, Allah says, my land. It's my land. I create the land, it's my earth and my universe. It is very broad and spacious. So the idea that we want to control a piece of land as Muslims, is that is not correct. It may be an ideal to which Muslims work and have worked and maybe should work, but it is not what Allah wanted from his prophets, so Allah did not send Musa back to Egypt and said, rule. Likewise, with the Prophet ﷺ, although he, he is promising the Prophet ﷺ in the previous ayah, the 85, uh, 85 yeah, that you return to Makkah. But when you return, it will not be because we simply want you to now come back to Makkah and rule and govern the whole Muslim world from Makkah. No. You go back to Medina. <laughs> you go back to Medina. Although this is your birthplace, you're going to worship Allah, you're going to fulfill the fifth commandment of Allah, his hukum, of the, the fifth pillar, which is the hajj and then the umrah, etc. But uh, we, we don't want you to assume that you have a purpose of returning to Makkah any more than Musa had the purpose of returning to Egypt and ruling. It's the same story. Right? It is only to Allah that you will return. Your return is in the future. Where? To Allah, and then into Jannah, which is where we came from. So all Muslims are returning to, and all human beings should return to, Jannah, which is what I say is the promised land, the land of Jannah. So this story tells us uh, that a human being may go through ups and downs in his life, 
And there you may, you may have several human beings. So in this story you had Fir'aun, you had the, Musa, the mother of Musa, you had the wife of Fir'aun, you had the father-in-law of Musa, you had Musa wife, and then you had Musa's brother, then you had Qarun, who was part of Musa's tribe, then you had Haman, who was uh, the engineer and the chief lieutenant of Fir'aun, and then you had I said Qarun. And now here at the end you have Rasulullah sallallahu In all of these characters in this story, the Qasas, you have now a plot, and you have a beginning, you have a middle, and you have an ending, you have a conclusion, and then you have the moral. So the moral of the story is Lahul Hukmu. To him along him alone belongs authority and kingdom and sovereignty and rule. Instead of trying to rule the world without Allah's permission and authority is not something that we want to focus on, nor is it something that we want to promote in the world, because if you do that and you miss the boat in Jannah, or for Jannah, then you're in deep trouble. Yeah. Then you're in deep trouble. So, as, as, I, as I've mentioned, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's eternal fadlam, the Prophet especially our Prophet Muhammad is that he reveals the Qur'an upon him and to him. That is the ultimate fadl of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this fadl Allah will share okay, and distribute through Muhammad in Jannah. To whom? To everyone who enters Jannah. How and why? When? When he recites the Qur'an. Right. So now, you categorize Allah's uh, ni'mah. In this world you have universal ni'mah. Everybody's now privy to that, mashallah. Some more than others. Then you have the ni'mah that are intellectual and then and, uh, in, the form of, in terms of education and then even political authority and rule. And then you have ni'mah and blessings that are moral, meaning a good person is much better than the tyrant, ruler, and dictator on earth. Who would you rather be with? A person who's kind, generous, noble, civil, or with a ruthless dictator? It's a no-brainer. At least we would hope so. <laughs> right. Whose company would you want rather be in? Well, someone who rules the world and arrogant and uh, totally uh, impossible to be with, of a simple, nice person. It should be no brain. So the, the, the ni'mah and the beauty and grace of good ethics and morals surpasses any ni'mah that is political. That is why the second ayah in the Qur'an, that is revealed, the second set, said what? that our favor upon you is not just wahi, our favor upon you is that you're an outstanding person who has control over supreme moral ethics. You have control over supreme moral ethics, and that in itself is a huge ni'mah. It is much better ni'mah than having now PhDs and accolades from universities, as we know today, mashallah. Many people with many accolades from universities, they're, they're quite simply jerks. You wouldn't want to be caught dead with them. Right? They're indecent human beings. They're immoral. 
they're impossible to be with. You cannot stand them. But they elevate. Why? Because society is elevated. It's all messed up. <laughs> right? So the Islam came and said, Khulq first. Your morals and your behavior. So the Sahaba had Khulq and morals and behavior. Right? He was a kikum. Or he was a kihim. Allah said to the Prophet, Sallallahu your mission is to purify them. Make them into decent human beings first. So this is now, this is now a level of ni'mah that is higher than anything that can be acquired through the dunya. And then after that is knowledge, which comes from wahi. And after that is wahi itself. In that order. This is for the Muslim who wants to be close to Allah. For the Muslim who wants to be close to people, there's no guidelines for that person. He does not follow Sharia. Then he is ruthless and he is, uh, what do you call, a decadent morally, and he's also a social anarchist. Whatever works, whatever goes. If you want to please Allah, then this is the path you follow. Which path? The path of Muhammad and the path that is Islam, which leads you to Jannah and then to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the way for all Muslims to promote themselves and Islam. The way forward for Muslims is not that we are here to rule the world and show the world how bad they are and how good we are. Because that is not true. First, people must vouch for you. He's a person I would like to be with, sit with for at least two minutes. Maybe not 20 minutes, but I can say I could sit with him for two minutes and gain something from that person. The Prophet ﷺ, even as he is planning to leave Makkah for Hijrah, is returning the trusts that he has been given by the non-Muslims of Makkah. Right? As he's leaving Makkah for his Hijrah, he is saying to his family members that, uh, and Ali radiallahu that this pawn belongs to this person, this trust belongs to that person. Return their trust. If it's just wealth and power, and it's just glory and authority over the, the, the wealth of other people, then he would just say, oh, this is good. I can just take all of this with me, and I can use this money and this trust in Medina to start what I need to start. He didn't do that. Okay, that's one thing. What's more amazing is that the non-Muslims, meaning the Quraysh of Makkah, even though they say that he's a liar and a soothsayer and he's a magician and so on, uh, they still trust him enough with their goods. With their goods. Now, you find that kind of person, everybody will follow you. And you find people who slaughter people ruthlessly, nobody's going to follow you. Why should they follow you? So here Allah subhanahu is saying that Musa in his story of observing the eight years and ten years of his contract that he made with his father-in-law is now so trustworthy that he fulfills his term. When Musa fulfilled his term, his promise with his father-in-law and uh, with the family. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him Nabuwa. For what? Honesty. <laughs> Out of what? Out of honesty. Not because he was now the most special person 
in the eyes of the people around him, there was no one around him to say that. And as you know, he was a, he, he was a fugitive in the eyes of Fir'aun. Well, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose him to speak to him and then deliver his message. Likewise with uh, our Prophet Muhammad sallallahu Allah chose him not because he had great, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, accolades from universities or the community of his time, but because uh, he, he was so trustworthy that other human beings were, were drawn to his trustworthiness his amana and that is the amana upon which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the Quran to him so that the amana of delivering the message was, uh, was so ripe and fresh in the minds of the Sahaba uh, that this deen is an amana and this word of Allah's is an amana to the Prophet we are now going to transmit the deen based on that amana so in our usul of hadith if someone has known to have lied we never take that person's hadith. Right. Now, unfortunately, it doesn't matter who you are, what you are, if you now shout loud enough, some people might listen to you, whether you're trustworthy or not. And that is the demise of the ummah. Now it has become to the level of a cancer that whoever speaks better and whoever dresses better and whoever now entertains people better and whoever has a better political pitch that person should be the leader of the Muslims. That is not the criterion for the Sahaba or for the Tabi'een when they wanted to narrate the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. Anyone with any political agenda, that person's hadith was not accepted, period. Many hadith were fabricated during the time of the Tabi'een and the reason they did not accept their hadith was because they said this person has a political agenda. That's in also hadith. Today, if you don't have a political agenda, you're not a Muslim. So you have to be careful. Now, it doesn't mean to say that Muslims should not have political rule and authority. We're not saying that. We're just saying that the people who are now speaking for a political platform, they must have trustworthiness within themselves. The people must say and vouch for them and say, oh, this one, I don't think he lies, I don't think he cheats, I don't think he deceives, I think he, he is very sincere and so on. But that now, the good standing doesn't come from the person himself, it comes from the community. So it must be visible socially. Right. Now, somebody says, I am trustworthy, and follow me. That doesn't work. <laughs> People must say, this person is trustworthy, and then you follow him. And that is what Abu Bakr did for Umar. Umar is the most trustworthy amongst you, so I'm just going to tell you that he is your next Khalifa. Finish class. End of the story. No discussion. Right? This is how we see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's fadl on the Prophet sallallahu that the fadl is the Qur'an, and in the Qur'an you have this uh, eternal language and uh, dialogue and speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's to the Prophet sallallahu The Prophet sallallahu then assumes that and becomes that. And as he's transmitting, he's transmitting based on his comprehensive, holistic understanding of every letter 
every word, every ayah, every surah, and the whole Quran. This is how we see the delivery of Islam through the institution that is the Prophet Muhammad And then his students and his protégés and his now products who are the Sahaba and then whoever followed them, we still honor and revere today. So as, as all the surahs of the Quran, a fascinating surah, and the idea that this is named Al-Qasas by the Sahaba and the Tabi'een means that they understood this as the story where you have two great human beings, Musa alayhi Muhammad sallallahu being depicted as now champions of the truth, with or without a government. Inshallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq to read and make tilaw of the Qur'an and to understand it the way he wants us to. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to do what pleases him the most. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, inshallah, speak to us on the Day of Judgment as he is happy and pleased with us and we are happy and pleased with them, inshallah. This is the end of Surah Al-Qasas for the moment and we will begin the next Surah next time, inshallah. Jazakumullah khair, subhanallah wa bihamdihi, subhanakallah wa bihamdik, nashallallah ilaha illa and nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk, subhanallah wa bihamdik, 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 wa biham